I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. You are now listening to Footy Prime, the podcast, hosted by Danny DiCchio, Craig Forrest, and James Sharman. It is episode 12 of Footy Prime. Hello there, football fans. Whether you're listening or watching us, thanks for sticking around for this uh, this new endeavor the last number of weeks. This will be our last podcast of the year. <laughs> Had them going there for a bit, didn't they? <laughs> they're like, oh, well, about bloody time. It's just terrible. Finally, they're, they're, they're finding some sense of normalcy and quitting this horrible project of theirs. James Sharman, Craig Forrest, Danny Dicchio, not here today, on vacation. So Dan Wong jumps in off the keyboards into the, By the lead mic. Demand. Hey, yeah, Dan. I'm filling, in, filling in for Dicchio is a, is a tough one. Are you, I, don't, are you, I, don't have, I don't have the bald head that that not really yet. Give diff, it time. Really difficult accent. What is it? East London or? Oh, he's like a bastardized London like myself. Right. Like he's been here so many years. Right. It's still he. He has some words. He does. Uh, last week I was saying when he says three, it sounds like free to me. So I was thinking on our it next. It is spelled F R E. Yeah, and so uh, I was thinking throwback, throwback Friday instead of throwback <laughs> Friday, yeah. Thursday. I mean, so he, that's what he. I think he should be. He, running he's also with. a H-er, not an H-er. Right. I hate the H-er. You don't say H, do you? No. So what do you mean? You know, H, the letter H. Yeah. Right. Right. In England, it seems certain people like Danny yeah. will pronounce it H, which kind of makes sense given that it's. H. H, H, right? Yeah. But it just drives me crazy. It seems very. It's like the scum. How the scum right. That's unacceptable. It. He's unacceptable. He's unacceptable. <laughs> Danny is scum. He's a he's a character on Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. That's right. Isn't he? That's he, right. He would like, have been a great pickup, like Vinnie Jones. Vinnie oh, Jones is best mate. Jeez. Did you know Vinnie Jones? Not really. I mean, a little bit, but not uh, played against him several times. Right. And was he as elbowy and? Oh, is he a tough? Oh yeah, mofo. Oh yeah. I don't think I've ever used the term mofo he, he, in my life. He but. wouldn't. He wouldn't uh, last thirty seconds in the modern game. He'd be sent off. Really? Yeah. Some of the challenges are ridiculous. And uh, well, should we should track them? We should find the Vinnie Jones. Oh yeah. Top five. There's some horrendous ones, horrendous challenges, which were like good for yellow cards back in those days. But that, you, you get banned. Well, didn't he nowadays. Liverpool FA Cup final? Didn't yeah. he take out McMahon? Was it Steve? Yeah, he was. And then it, it, I'm not sure he even got booked. Yeah, he took yeah. him out of the knees. Yeah, yeah, from nowhere, like two feet. Yeah, it's just just horrendous. And he got um, he did get fined in the '80s for releasing a DVD, right, or, or a video, I guess, mm-hmm. back then. Right, the dark arts of football, how to cheat in football, basically. 
Come and, on. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. It's like no, a Dodge no, Cherry Rock'em Sock'em Roll. It'd be, it'd be, things, like, it'd be things like, um, you know, when a guy's on the ground and yeah. you're helping him up, you just grab him under the armpit and grab hold of his armpit hair and just yank him up. So to the referee, you're doing him a favor. But actually, you're not. You're being a complete bastard. And then you get a reaction from the player. Yeah. Fucking I'll just help awesome. Him up. <laughs> <laughs> well, he grabbed, uh, there's a picture of uh, Gascoigne. Yeah. And Vinnie Jones is in front of him and he's reaching behind him and he's got his whole lunch kit in his hand. Oh, it's, a best, it's, it's iconic, this picture. You haven't seen it before? No. It's, uh, it's, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll find it for you right All now. Right. Well, Ga- no, you tell me where to find Ga- it. I'll put it on there and I'll right, put it up. Ga- yeah, okay, Gascoigne's uh When you do face. the intro, when you get when we get through this 17-minute intro <laughs> of us <laughs> indulging in our in our just, talking just about Just packages. Google Gascoigne Vinnie Jones and it'll come up. All right. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's an iconic right, Let me find it and I'll yeah, follow it up. It's an iconic picture. My, my sister had no interest in sports at all, had that poster on her wall, actually. Because she liked another man ago. grabbing another man's It must package. have been that, yeah. It, it must have been. But it, was, it was classic. It really was. What's your sister's name? Penny. I like Penny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, listen, we're, we're going to talk later on today so, um, to, speaking of icons, an icon in Canadian football, a uh, former Canadian international, head coach, um, MLS head coach, Premier League player with Ipswich, Craig's old teammate, Frank Yallop, will join us later today. Um, as I mentioned, it's the final podcast of the year. These guys are all buggering off over Christmas, um, but it's been a lot of fun so far. So we thought to start today, we'll look back a little bit on, on the year that was and pick a couple of storylines that perhaps um, transcended the soccer world here in Canada. Craig's looking a little bit mystified. He's thinking he's hearing this for the first time. <laughs> no, you no, know? no, no, a second. A second time? Yeah. First time being about five minutes ago? Correct. <laughs> Have you had a chance to think about this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what, what, what CPL story? all day long. Yeah? In Canada? Well, just in general. I mean, like for you, I mean, it could be CPL is a very good, very good one. Yeah. Well, that and uh, maybe what's in the news a lot with the Premier League right now and Liverpool, the way they're leading the Premier League mm-hmm. is quite uh, sensational. Well, Dan, as, as a, a newbie to soccer, essentially, right. is what you are. Yep. Uh, is there a story that stuck out to you as the newbie Canadian soccer fan? Look, I, I'd be remiss not to mention Liverpool at the top uh, because James Sharman talks about Liverpool at the top all the, all the time. It's not through any kind of bias. Right. Well, it is. But. Uh, no, but I think the, you know, the, for the inaugural year of CPL, mm-hmm. um, the fact that they had a broadcast deal, have a broadcast deal with media pro media pro on one soccer correct yes spanish company spanish company mm-hmm. um i think that's a big deal uh f- especially for homegrown soccer mm-hmm. homegrown footy whatever we want to call it um you know and the fact that team canada did beat the us that was a big story we were at the mm-hmm. game yep. um big story big game um and then just on the broadcast level going on the media side is once again, uh, we were just chatting about it, but the CBC picking up the finals of the Forge and Calgary. Mm-hmm. That whether or not it continues, the fact that they made that choice to put on their airwaves of homegrown Canadian soccer, mm-hmm. uh, and actually brought Craig uh, on to do the analysis with yeah. Andy Petrillo, yeah. CBC, and Scott Russell, yeah, yeah and Scott Ru- right, so. Yeah. Whether or not 
it continues? I don't know. And will it continue? I guess that's the bigger question. Well, yeah, that'd be a bigger question for CBC and the league as well, right. whether they agree to go that uh, that route. Um, it was interesting that the, the model um, with the national team and them having the rights as well, uh, once uh, Media Pro, that they decided when they played the second U.S. game that it would be put on a pay-per-view channel but free. Right. So trying to expand the, the viewers' uh, viewership because – uh, putting soccer behind a paywall at this stage in this country is uh, is a difficult task. You got the diehards will absolutely do it. Yeah, we'll see them do it with the zone and the Premier League and the Champions League. Um, but for the growth of the game, I think it's uh, imperative that people can find it easily and and for free um, at some level to for the growth of it. Right, uh, because at the end of the day, uh, it's another app, uh, One Soccer, that owned by Media Pro. And it's seventy five, I believe, seventy five bucks a year. Right. Um, so that's uh, you know, it's just another another app that costs money, and uh, it's difficult to get people on it. So uh, for the growth of the game, difficult new era. You know, we've seen with the media, but uh, also fantastic that uh, Media Pro is part of the the broadcasting and putting money into it uh, is a massive deal for a league that just started this year. Right. Or yeah. I think all this stuff it gave the game a relevancy in Canada. Right, the CPL has been discussed for years and years and years, and we had Victor Montagliani on uh, two weeks back. And he was saying that every every nation, whether it's the Premier League or the CPL, needs a domestic league. You just have to have it. Right, and, and he talks about how we've now become a soccer nation. You know, I, I'm not sure I agree with that just yet. I think we're still we're, we're getting there. We're on the cusp, but I don't think we're there just yet. Um, but hey, who am I to disagree with? Well, I you know, guess- the, the president of Concacaf, but. Um, I just think that the fact that we have now domestically to talk about whether it's great, whether it's average, whether it's poor, it doesn't matter. We have it, and there's an interest there, an appetite for it, clearly, with the CBC uh, jumping aboard this past season. Right. And, yeah, Soccer Nation, yeah, that's a tough one to call. Uh, I would say that certainly in the sporting landscape in Canada that there's there's room for it. Uh, I think that's what we saw when MLS came into Toronto, first of all, with uh, Toronto FC. Uh, people were like, well, how can they challenge against the NBA and the NHL and Major League Baseball? And it wasn't just so much challenging. It's, it, it's that there's room on the landscape for it, and it's proven that that's the case, and there's an appetite for it, and they've been hugely successful. So some big jumps there and, and some positives uh, in the, in the uh, media landscape as well as on the field. Okay, so, so which are the big four sports right in, in Canada, right? So you've got hockey, obviously, baseball, football be it NFL or, or CFL, basketball, which is most concerned about the growth of soccer right now? Who's most susceptible to being replaced by soccer in, in that top four? Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Well, I'd say baseball, look, wouldn't you? Isn't baseball trending older and older, it seems? Baseball is definitely trending older. They're trying to get younger. But, but- you know, here's the thing. You, I mean, a couple of years ago when uh, Batista, you know, we had – in our at eggplant picture and sound, people were like, "Hey, we want to." They had those afternoon games. Can yeah. we push get our work done? Can we push back? Uh, you know, there were th- we had the game on streaming, but that's not baseball. That's the Jays. That is the Jays. Look, baseball is one of the craziest sports. It's it's I, I don't know. It's the fact that they don't have a salary cap. Uh, it, it's rich teams getting richer. It's it's a lot like there's luxury it's tax. Like, there's luxury tax, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Yankees no, are here, and no that. one gives a shit about it. That's yeah. the problem. Unless you're Oakland well, the or, or team, <laughs> teams like yeah. Oakland Rogers that actually receive that's it the tax. That's right. 
That's right. I don't. I. You know, like I. The the game baseball has less players. The one that's in trouble is football. Just period is football. Just because head injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not part of the fabric. Even though TSN does well with their CFL ratings, and they're such hardcore traditionalists. And look, I I played Canadian football until I was twenty four. This was, you know, it was great and it was exciting. The problem is, it's only growing in certain places. So Quebec, C- CFL is still really big, on, and and there's more and more Canadian guys going down to the states and playing in the NFL. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so, but it is, seems is that, like is that baseball gonna help, is that going to help Canadian football though? Yeah. Guys from here playing south of the border is that helping CFL? It's no. not right. It's well, gonna, I, on the contrary, it's going to actually diminish the importance of CFL, isn't it? Yeah, and more I, and more. I was also thinking, if you're, what is success then? Like, is it if if soccer, Canadian football slash Canadian soccer, got up to where CFL numbers are, would that be success? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Bang so, on. So maybe the model should be not. You know, they they play at the same times. They're like that's the problem. They play around the same time. Yeah, um, there's only so much, you know, consumer dollars that are out there, and fan dollars. Mm. But I would argue it's some of the same base that would go. Oh, like I like both these things, and if you're making them choose, not that CFL is going to change their their schedule, but I was just I was thinking about what is that, you know, if. See if uh, Canadian soccer got to those numbers, it would be seen as a success. So as CPL well, grows, and those numbers with a young demographic too, right? Like soccer is a younger demographic. Um, with the numbers, like they can get four hundred, five hundred thousand for a CFL yeah. game yeah. on TSN. Those are massive numbers. Yeah, curling, massive numbers in Canada, right? But they don't generate much money because the advertisers are advertising it to old people and they don't want that. They've already decided right. on what car and brands that they've already decided on. So, But they do sell cable subs, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, Which is worth what nowadays, though? As all the networks are slowly but surely moving to the streaming side right. of things, right? I'm, uh, ex- I'm going to be dropping my cable pretty soon. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not alone there. <laughs> so many people have. So my so, my my folks that are out in New Brunswick. They only know cable. They mm-hmm. don't know how to set up the internet. And my dad passed, but my mom, like we kept mm-hmm. her running for her because we tried to get her to learn how to stream something, and it was you know teaching her <laughs> M- hieroglyphics yeah. that that we don't understand either. Yeah. Try doing that to with your parents over the phone. Oh my god, it's, yeah. a, it's a nightmare. Actually, in nightmare. Fact, nightmare. Fact, I give my, my, my old man's giving credit. He's a bit of a tech geek actually he's 75 now and oh he, that's good he's probably that's, more well schooled than i am actually yeah. <laughs> that's fairness. that's a rarity it is rare yeah yeah um but I, it's about this the cfl canadian soccer kind of model you know would that be a success there's, there's no surprise that a lot of the cfl names scott mitchell yep bob young yep um are off cfl background that's right and now jumped aboard the cpl train and yep. across canada you're seeing that with ownership groups so I think they, they saw that. There's definitely a model there. But like you said, the, the demographic is so different. So the potential mm-hmm. for soccer is so much greater than CFL. I mean, Toronto aside, I mean, Toronto CFL is insignificant. Right. Right. Maybe with Pinball coming back, it'll yeah. change a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Success, pretty success. But, yeah. um, you know, do, do, does the CSA or Canadian soccer really care about having a big market in and not being 
harsh here, but New Brunswick or right. Sask- Saskatchewan. Right. I, they probably should do, but I don't know if they do. They want to see the big markets succeed, don't they? Oh, yeah, they do. They absolutely do. I mean, it's, uh, you know, with the CPL2 as well in Canada, the challenges of having a league like this, say, you know, in England, when you can jump on a bus and travel a few hours to a game. Mm-hmm. So the costs are massive, and you got a game, what is it, uh, third or fourth longest game, yeah, domestic yeah. game in a Halifax league? Halifax to... Uh, Victoria. Victoria, yeah. I mean, that's... <laughs> Incredible, and it's tough and expensive to get around. Expensive so expensive to get around, yeah. You know, and, and that's uh, one of the hardest things with the development in this country is trying to get teams, you know, the very best uh, players playing against the very best players. And how do you do that? Because you know, to travel, even Danny Dicchio with yeah. his Toronto team, they're traveling down to the states, they're traveling all over the place to try and find competition that will raise the level of their own players. Right, and I mean, it's funny too. We have the Canada Games, you know, big amateur from you know 14 to 19 year old amateur players of all sports getting together but it's an, always ends up Ontario, Quebec and BC in the finals mm-hmm. and I you know unless it's maybe a curling or maybe you know I don't know if they have that in in but as soon as it's team sports New Brunswick, Newfoundland mm-hmm. these teams are getting crushed mm-hmm. and you know and it's ridiculous it's it doesn't help the you know, uh, Nova Scotia does all right, but most of these teams are getting crushed. And what does it do for an Ontario competitive team to go and beat the crap out of when they could be right. playing across in Flint, right. Michigan, or in well, you know, we saw Halifax like uh, with uh, Stephen Hart this past season have a tough time in their first year in in the CPL. Well, I think sixteen players are not returning next season, so it's very much a work in progress. But they did really well in the stands, right? Good crowds came out to watch. The wanderers play, right? Mm. Um, so perhaps you know, on, on the flip side, the smaller markets will be successful because there's less options and choices for the sports fan out there yeah. to watch. As well as the setup there is excellent. You got restaurants and bars and things like that. They're really close by. Oh, so yeah. you know, like Must the, go out there. Like the Toronto FC situation, you know, where you, where you got that culture around the stadium where you can uh, have some fun and make it part of the actual yeah, day. Yeah, make it more than just about Yeah, so locations minutes. of an important spot as well. I mean, look at MLS. Some of the locations aren't very good. Chicago, for instance, is way out of Chicago, downtown Chicago in a really bad area. Not mm-hmm. a fun place that you got to really, really want to go. Uh, you can't just sort of get off a subway and go to the game and enjoy it, get involved, have some fun. It doesn't happen. You're into Chicago, you're into the stadium, and then you leave right after. So location is a massive part of it, and giving those fans an opportunity to really enjoy the whole day as opposed to Make just a the festival, destination. a daily exactly. festival, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, more than just the game yeah. itself. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what TFC did so well, right? It became a party culture <laughs> for young people. That's how it started out. And a lot of people mm-hmm. in that first year were discovering soccer for the first time, but they loved a good party. And here we are now, over 10 years, 12 years later, and they're still there. Yeah. And now they're football fans. Yeah. Now they're sophisticated, intelligent football fans. And they've learned the game through TFC. Yeah. How great if, is that? If you were going to ask me, or ask me, how many fans are going to be at an MLS final? And you said 70,000. Yeah. I, you know, I would have been, that's, it's never going to happen. Well, never. I mean, those are Atlanta. You know, not, incredible even five years. And in Atlanta, know. where that was, you know, Atlanta's not the great sports town as far as. No. And, and there's <laughs> reasons around that. I think a lot of people from Atlanta aren't from there. So right. they'll go support other teams that come there, but not Atlanta fans. Right. But when they brought the MLS to Atlanta, it was one of those where a lot of people in Atlanta 
they didn't have a soccer team to support, never supported one before. Yeah. So they really grasped it and be, was really part of it and uh, and has continued to be an amazing story in Atlanta. Yeah. Well, TSN did a great piece on that, actually, around the MLS Cup final, talking about why is it successful there. And I I forget who it was. It's there one of their CFL analysts. He lives down there. Is it Milt Stiegel, maybe? I could be wrong. I forget now. Anyway, he lives down there. He explained why it was so big. He goes, his, his kids are now playing soccer and our season ticket holders going to that game because it's their own. And like you said, right. so many outsiders in Atlanta, this is actually something that's been born while they've been there. It's there. They've got ownership over this thing. Mm-hmm. Who's, who's the other analyst? It, it may not be uh, Mr. I I remember be Drew wrong. Carey in, uh, in Los it's Angeles. He was, he, he, uh, yeah. He's in Seattle now, but he got into it when he was in Los Angeles and um, went to see the LA Galaxy game, really loved it, and being from Cleveland – couldn't support an NBA team in LA. Couldn't support a football team, right? So he had. He's just like, well, I can't support a soccer team in Los Angeles. They are my team. I don't have a, an MLS team in Cleveland. So he he really became to love the sport and and the everything that was the sport, even behind the scenes when he studied Barcelona and there these different types of. Uh, uh, models that really make the fans feel part of the the fabric of the club, and uh, they've done a great job. When he went to Seattle, was part ownership there, and uh, and it brought that into well, play. That also gives us the segue to an open invitation to Drew Carey to uh, you know, hey Drew, Drew you yeah. come on to Footy Prime. Come on down, <laughs> come on down, <laughs> fly in on your jet. How many times do you think Drew hears that each week? Eh? You come know, at, at a restaurant, a boy, hey Drew, hey Carey, come yeah. on down. Yeah. That's great, yeah, but Bob so, mate, Barker was the man. Did he <laughs> die? He died, right? Is that why? Or did he die? Did Bob Barker? Is that why Drew Carey's oh, now the man? Well, he's not. Are on, we playing? Are we playing? Is he dead yet? <laughs> <laughs> okay, next name, Danny Dickio. Danny, yeah. oh, he's alive still. We, we just heard from him. <laughs> well, we think we haven't checked the news. Bob no. Barker, is he dead? All right, he was dying, wasn't he? Well, Wasn't he really sick? You know what? Was I mean, that, no. We've got this thing yeah. called the interweb that maybe we can figure out. <laughs> so that's that's all oh, the price is right, right? I get all those shows mixed up. Family Feud, The Price is Right, oh. Jeopardy. I get them all mixed up. I'm right. not really a, a game show guy myself. But it's amazing that we're, here we are, you know, we're 20 minutes in and we're talking about the big stories in, in football this past year and mm-hmm. we haven't really swayed from the Canadian story. And so. I, I think we will look back on 2019 as a defining year with the CPL being born. Obviously, the, the win against the States... Um, Alfonso Davis not only making a move to Bayern Munich but becoming a first teamer at Bayern Munich when we all thought that he would be loaned out at some point and he might still be who knows but right mm. now he's been re, 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 um, designed into, into a fullback and he's doing very well even though Bayern aren't having a great season no you know I watched him play the other day and he's comfortable he's comfortable in that environment he's not put off by the the size of the club the players around him it's it's something else. Um, the first bona fide superstar, megastar could be Alfonso Davies coming from Canada. Like he has got the talent to do is whatever he wants in the game. Although respect thrown out there to Jonathan David, who just won the CSA oh. Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Right? Congratulations to him for that. He's had a terrific season as well with over 20 goals scored. In uh, in Belgium and uh, with the national team, excellent. And if they don't make the hex with all the teams that they're going to play, he could score another. He could score ten goals from the national team. Yeah, he could do. Absolutely. I mean, they, they could end up getting a bunch of punch bag teams, but he's going to set records uh, in just a few years. Well, it's a great segue, I think, to uh, our our guest today stepping into room four four two. Our guest today not only played for Canada uh, over fifty times, he coached 
the national team. He's coached in MLS. He was David Beckham's first manager in MLS and a former teammate of our very own Craig Forrest. It is, of course, Frank Yallop. Frank, welcome to Footy Prime. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. So listen, we're just talking about this past season, past year, in fact, in Canadian soccer with the CPL being born, Alfonso Davis making the big move to Bayern Munich, uh, the men's team beating the States, uh, more and more emerging stars uh, in the women's game. Has it been, do you think, um, a defining season for Canadian football? I mean, you know more about the sport in this country than most. Yeah, no, I 100% think so. Um, you know, if you look at the game um, that we did beat the States, well-deserved. It wasn't a lucky result. Um, I thought we outplayed them, and I think we thoroughly deserved that win. So, um, no, I think it's. I think with the moves for, for Davies going, you know, to one of the biggest clubs in the world, um, it's not by luck. So I think that, um, you know, things are really changed, and I feel good about, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the going forward of Canadian soccer and, and just everything associated with it. I think MLS is flying. I think, um, you know, it's opened everybody's eyes up. If you look at the three the three teams in um, Canada that are in the MLS, um, doing wonderfully well with crowds and, and following and, and, and producing players. Um, and obviously the new Canadian League as well is, is um, the next success. So, yeah, good, good, good times ahead. I'm looking forward to 2020. You know, Frank, I look at all the, the players just off the top of my head, like yourself, uh, making a trade and done very well in the United States. Mark Watson's now moved upstairs in the Minnesota organization, general manager position. Pat Onstad's got a position down there as well. Some really good Canadian people that are working in the States. Is there room for them, you think, in Canada to, to make a living um, as opposed to having to go south to, to find a, a job like yourself? Yeah, well, I think there is, yeah. I mean, it's just where you end up sort of working for, for you know obviously I, I come down to, to play down here um, so you end up knowing most of the people in MLS and, and, and being down here but I think with those three teams I've said about uh, in Canada uh, in the MLS that there's you know I'd love to see more Canadians getting jobs uh, with them there, there obviously is um, uh, but, but I'd like really like to see that those teams filled up with Canadian um, ex-Canadian uh, national team players because I feel we've got a lot to offer you know, we've got sort of, you know, we'll go over it later on, I guess, but, you know, we've been sort of pulled through the ring or brought up as, you know, Canadian players. And, and, and you know this, Craig, you know, it was almost a joke when we were going away for World Cup qualifiers. You know, we're going to El Salvador and they start laughing. And I'm thinking, you know, we're trying to make the World Cup, but, you know, your manager's looking at you going, where are you going, El Salvador? Well, why would you go do that? So, mm-hmm. but now it's on the map. We, get, we got the right dates and all the things that go into it. So, yeah, I mean... I've really enjoyed my time, what I'm doing in soccer. I've never had a, a job outside of it, so that's that's good so far. I'm 55, so I'm, you know, I'm knocking on a bit, so it's been good. You know, it's great to see Pat and Waddy and, and all these guys, and, and Nicky's been involved as the Dazovich. Mm-hmm. So there's some there's some guys that um, have been involved and, 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 you know, in really important positions, but I'd like to see them in, in Canadian teams too. Well, you're involved, Frank, with the managing of David Beckham when the signing when he first came over and the Beckham rule and, and the, the changes that happened within the league there. I mean, yeah. 
we talk about managers these days and the and the differences between different styles uh, of managing. Going back to when you were a player at Ipswich Town and Bobby Robson signed you as a youngster, um, then Bobby Ferguson was your manager. Uh, different type of style of managing, as we'll talk about in a bit. But um, the modern day, the Jurgen Klopp's of the world, the Pochettinos of the world, lots of energy um, seems to be the way to yeah. go in dealing with modern day players. Um, what are the challenges for modern day? And there were challenges that you had when David Beckham came there, when you got one player making millions and then somebody else making, I don't know what the minimum was at that time, maybe 35 grand, something like that. How did yeah, you, de- how did you deal with that? Had, had, oh yeah, sorry, Greg. Yeah, we had, we had guys on 12,000 developmental contracts, 12,000 a year. You can imagine <laughs> what, uh, how that went down well, you know, but, uh, no, well, I just could start with David. When David first came over, I went over and spoke to him and when he was playing for Madrid and, and as much as you try to explain that, um, you know, it's going to be tough, it's, you're going to be playing with players that, um, you know, not up to, obviously up to his standard at all, but even sort of, you know, are pretty good. They're, they're, they're going to be young players that are kind of, not, you know, not up to par. So try to explain that. He comes over, um, didn't realize that the, the, the big disparity in what he was, the level he was at to what the MLS was at that point. And not all players, you know, he had Landon Donovan to play with. As we know, Landon's been a fantastic player, probably the best U.S. player uh, so far. I think Pulisic's maybe catching him up a little bit, but Landon over his, you know, his career is really great. So he had some good players to play with for sure. Um, I just think the whole development of the league now is totally different to when I had him. We went to a hotel, I remember, in um, in uh, Boston, and he walked in, he went, I'm not staying here. I was like, okay, where are you staying? He ended up staying there, but he said, I'm not eating this food. This is disgraceful, blah, blah, blah. I think he was right on the phone, the phone to the owner. So it kind of helped push things along. He said, this, you know, if you want the standards to go high, you got to have standards for the players. So, you know, he did a good thing in, in those in those types of things. Um, but, you know, he walked in and it's like, you know, I'm trying to manage everybody, and he's telling me this is garbage. It was, it was tough. It was, it was tough. And, the big thing, really, I, I go back on it was he got injured. I only had him for six months, but he got injured, and he, the league had promised everyone, sort of at the end, tail end of the season, a um, home game, away game, so a away game for the Galaxy, a home game for like Dallas and New England and New York and all these places where David would go and play. We got injured, so they squashed all the games into like a four week, um, four or five week thing at the end of the year. So we were just traveling all over the place, and, and one guy said to me, he "Goes well, you guys started a little flat in the last in the last home game." I said, "Do you know our travel schedule?" I, said, I went over the games. I think we had like it was like six games in two weeks. We had like Sunday, Thursday, you know, Sunday, Tuesday, and, and flying all over the place. It was crazy, but we got through it. He, he obviously really adapted in the end very well to very well to MLS, and really enjoyed it. You know, I saw him probably three or four years uh, after I'd left I was at San Jose 2010 he was training at Tottenham and I went over because I, I had Simon Dawkins anyway I'm going, I'm going off an off subject here but um, but I saw him and we, we caught up and he really sort of you know appreciated what I did and, and tried to stick up for him and, and, and vice versa and he really enjoyed his time in MLS and um, he obviously went to I think he went to PSG at the end of his career and then finished up but um he, he was a good ambassador and really changed the game in, in the States and um, 
it was a joy to coach him for that short, short amount of time. It was an absolute circus around him, though, wasn't it? I mean, I remember when you came to Toronto, and then after the game, yeah. we were at some supper club downtown Toronto in a VIP area, and there was just, yeah. it was incredible to see there was five deep women on yeah. the other side oh, of the no, rope, no, all no, trying no. to get close I mean, to him. Yeah, we went to, um, I forget what, who, who set it up, it doesn't matter, but Roots, um, Roots Canada wanted to have David in and do a signing, like a private signing and a, and a blah, blah, blah. And what it was, they they, they, they give each of our players a, a certain, um, you know, like a little uh, voucher, and a shopping voucher, excuse me, so we could go and shop and hang around. And we went in probably, well, we, we definitely went in before it opened, um, in shopping around, didn't really look out the window. And then by the time, by the time we'd finished, probably an hour, maybe an hour and 15 minutes, all the players and David obviously was in there. We go to the front door and there's probably a thousand people outside, um, all trying to see David Beckham. And right away, it was like, wow, that, that's un- unbelievable. Then we go to, then we get invited to like, uh, after, <coughs> excuse me, an after dinner, um, not after dinner, after the game sort of function. I think it started about eight o'clock to midnight, something like that. I mean, I've never seen crowds like it, and there's security, and uh, he had to, I mean, he had one bodyguard the whole time with him, but any time he went out, he probably had two two bodyguards with, uh, at all times right next to him and, and helping him and, and all that stuff, because he just had to wade through crowds because they were all trying to get a piece of David, and uh, anyways, it, uh, it was a circus. Well, yeah, because I mean, in Los Angeles, when you signed, it was it wasn't even it became a entertainment story as opposed to a sports story, didn't it? So you have all the ETUS showing up there to try to do stories at the ground. It was just yeah. a zoo. Yeah, it was all the, the major networks, not sports channels. You're right. I think we had 210 um, press um, um, applications, and there were people there. They turned down obviously. You know, probably thousands, but but two hundred and ten different people, different not just sports, and all over the world. You know, from Japan to China to, to you know Middle East, to all over the world, and and to show you know to, to follow David and, and see what he's doing, and yeah, it was crazy. It really was when we did the did the press conference. And I, was, I was a little bit nervous because this is going around the world. But <laughs> I had to say a few words. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> It is, and quite frankly, girls five deep seems pretty normal to me. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Happens uh, every Saturday night. Yeah, right? yeah, of course. <laughs> but the thing is, Frank, if, if it wasn't for, for David, though, it would have been someone else, right? Someone had to kind of unlock the door to, to North American soccer for those big names. And, you know, it's not as if he came, he left, and no one else came. He mentioned the big names there. We saw Ibra the last couple of years. But was that room at first fragmented? What Was it? problems within the room with the, the players making obviously far less or was that soon uh, you know rectified with either generosity or just an appreciation for how good he was yeah I mean there's still a disparity in, in, in the league I mean but there's, there's been most teams you see you know a right back's not going to earn the same as a, a centre forward or you know right or whatever but um, there was a huge disparity and but I think the players I mean you know I, I spoke to them before he came over and you know, 
doing what he's doing is because of his popularity on and off the field. But on it, he's a very, very good, very good soccer player. You know, if he, 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 and I think once he come over and started training and, and playing, you know, he was at a different level to to, to what we've seen in the league. Um, uh, you know, his passing was unbelievable. His work rate and his will to win was pretty incredible as well. And I think that that was the two things I really noticed when I started training. You know, when we started training, he was joining in and was fit. Um, his actual work rate and his will that every single play mattered. And I think our, you know, some of our, our players were like, wow, he does care about it. He's here to win. He's not here to just you know, lay on the beach and, and pick up a paycheck. He's here to win. Didn't he, uh, he also t- uh, took a lot of those players and the whole team to some pretty good parties with some celebrities in in uh, Los Angeles. And I think one of your players was yeah. baking, baking groceries uh, uh, part of the season. You end up bringing him in for 12000 <laughs> $12, bucks, and he's at a party with Denzel Washington. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we, I mean, we, we did the welcome to, yeah, I took the team to the welcome to, to, to uh, Hollywood party, and the two people that put it on was Tom Cruise and Will Smith. So you can imagine who they invited. Um, who, who, are, who are they? Who are they, Frank? <laughs> What's And where did Posh play in any of this? I want to hear a Posh story. I mean, I, I, I mean, the, the funny thing, we were in a limo, and I was in with uh, myself, Karen, my wife, and I think we had maybe four or five senior players with their wives. And, and as we get there, you know, like, there's a red carpet, there's the, all the photographers. So we start getting out, and you see the photographers get the cameras, and all of a sudden they just put them down and turn around. Okay, okay. <laughs> 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 it wasn't anyone special. Up so, but, so but as we walked in, we walked into the party, and two, the two people are saying hello to them was uh, Brooke Shields and Eva Longoria. Oh, oh wow. my God. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there you go. Amazing. Yeah, I, I tried to elbow my Mrs. Karen in the shop. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, put her, put her in the closet my somewhere. Wife, <laughs> my, wife, my wife Karen ended up dancing with um, Tom Cruise a lot of the night. And was like, <laughs> I was going to go over and knock I was gonna go over and knock him out, but anyway. <laughs> and, and she didn't come home till the morning. And that's how you became a Scientologist, right, yeah. Frank? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he had his high heels on. <laughs> <laughs> but Frank, I mean, as a as a football coach, you know, so you're you're coaching, a, a, you know, Galactico in Beckham, and also kids making twelve thousand a year. Are you coaching them and speaking to them differently, or did you make an effort to speak to them very much on, on the same level? It must have been tough. Um, choice to make yeah no I mean I've always the, the way I've coached is always everyone, everyone's the same on the team because everyone's got to do the same part I mean if David's you know doing his passing and all that stuff and he's very very good at it there's still other players that are playing well as well so no I've always just included everybody in the same the same um, graph if you like you know and I, I, I feel that if you single people out and, and make it easy for, for them um, then, it, then you start to get some you know, divisions in the squad. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of times I would, if I was, if I was going to have a, have a team meeting, uh, I, I was told Landon this was, it was a good one. I'd say someone to Landon, like Landon, just to let you know in this meeting I'm having, I'm, I'm going to have a little go at you, just to make sure that, you know, you're on board. Because he, he was such a good player that I, I needed to make sure that, that the other players knew that, you know, I cared about them as well. So, mm. you know, not have a go, but just, bring stuff up in, in a video session that is uncomfortable for, for him for Landon but I let him know before and the same with David I think that 
you can't view them any differently because that's when you get divisions, and, and I think that um, the team appreciated that. Now, Frank, you know, when you're rounding your career as, as a coach, uh, using obviously experiences that you had when you were playing, uh, we had some very interesting managers, probably one of the most interesting managers uh, I could possibly imagine in uh, Bobby Ferguson. Um, before that, was uh, you were signed by Sir Bobby Robson. Um, but Fergie had some interesting ways about uh, his managing style, and it was a, a fear almost that you thought you would get the best out of us by slaughtering us and i know that for large parts of that uh you were you were the punch bag for uh for fergie and uh you actually managed to get through that quite well considering uh how torturous i know it was at times oh torturous yeah yeah i mean i had the best manager ever probably in the world bobby robson and probably i say that probably the nicest person in soccer i mean i think ronaldo not the not the new Ronaldo, the old one. The, the real one. The fat one. The fat one. <laughs> the, Brazilian, the, the Brazilian one. You know, the, the fat one. Ever. Um, he had him in PSV and they said, who's the, who's, your, who's the best coach you've ever had? This was to Ronaldo. And he said, well, the best person I've ever had in football is Bobby Robson. And I, that, right away, I was like, you know what? That's a great statement. You know, forget coaching and all that stuff. He's the best person. So, you know, he that stuck with me a lot when he, when he said that. But um, so Bobby was great with me. Um, great style, great man manager, and then yeah, obviously, and Craig, you mentioned it. Is, you know, then you go to sort of the other extreme where it's it's um, fear factor, you know. And um, mm-hmm. but yeah, you, listen, you you you've got to go on. You got to keep, you know, you got to keep because I wanted to be a professional soccer player, and I wanted to stay at Ipswich. So guess what? I had to, you know, bite my tongue a few times and uh, keep off well, a few times, but <laughs> and uh, keep going. But um, yeah, it was tough. But remember Terry Terry uh, Butcher when he was at the club, he you're taking such a battering from Fergie that he said uh, that you needed to stand up for yourself and that yeah, happened yeah. that happened in a yeah. training session when you did stand yeah. up for yourself yeah, did, how did yeah. that go yeah uh, not well uh, <laughs> <laughs> basically yeah uh, he said you know you gotta you gotta say something back you gotta kind of you know try and stick up just like Terry was great with me I really you know we're, we're good friends but you know, he said, look, it's not all your fault, but you're letting him sort of blame you for everything. But I don't like it. Because he started, actually, uh, played Newcastle away. We lost 2-0. We're coming after the game. And he goes, he, he, Terry Terry Butcher sort of had, he, he was a fault for both goals. And he, Terry Butcher's hand was up and said, listen, guys, sorry about that. But Bobby Ferguson goes, it's not your fault, Terry. It's that dummy next to you. That's me. <laughs> so I'm thinking, what have I got to do with this? And he goes, he goes, the reason he could get the, uh, those two goals away, he couldn't trust you. I was like, <laughs> 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 uh, away. Anyway, that's how it started. He says, you got to stick up for yourself. Oh, no. Remember, so, remember Fergie, Fergie as well, you'd be like, uh, all right, any of you go around, look at everybody in the eyes. Any of you let me down today, you'll never play for me again. <laughs> And then he'd be like, "Go yeah, enjoy, so, go enjoy it, my babies." Yeah. So he said that to me. I was at, he, that, that's the exact words he said to me. I was at Man City. I was coming on a sub. I think we're winning three two. That's when Man City weren't Man City like we know. But um, yeah, I think it might have been a cup game. I, I can't really remember, but it doesn't matter. Going for the last fifteen minutes, I don't know what happened, but I was sub. And he puts his arm around me. He goes, "If you let me down today, you'll never kick a ball for this club again." Good luck. <laughs> But do you think 
back, Frank, I mean, they're obviously important years for you as a footballer, right? And they don't sound that they're that enjoyable with that kind of coach. Did you feel somewhat ripped off looking back? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, it, it just it is what it is. You know, it's like it's like having a you know, it's like having a strict mum and dad. You just you don't know any difference. You just right. You just kind of get through it. I mean, we had laughs. Don't get me wrong. When he walked out of the room, we just all slaughter him. And, <laughs> oh yeah, but it was. Trevor you know, Trevor Putney. Break. He didn't like he didn't like you or Trevor Putney because you guys laughed in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, like, he, he didn't like laugh people that laugh. You, know, you know he said that. You know what he said that too. So, uh, so because Bobby Rob, this is when Bobby Robson was there, and I was a youth player, and Craig wasn't quite there yet. Eighty-four, then Craig you come, right? Yeah, yeah, eighty-four. So I think it was eighty-two, and and a, a fellow named Sven Gorn Eriksson was <laughs> coaching in Sweden, and. Um, <laughs> So coaching in Sweden it's Christmas time he's come over to watch Bobby Robson the great Bobby Robson you know managing how he does it and so he's there for probably a week blah 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 so he's going up to the, the lunch hour it's called the centre spot we used to go up there for lunch and um, someone had bought Bobby Ferguson some golf balls for Christmas like a Christmas present they're sitting on the table he spends up there and grabs his lunch and he sort of says to Bobby hey um oh you're a golfer uh, where do you play he goes I haven't got time for golf you tell me <laughs> he goes, this is a football club, not a golf club. And it was like, oh, okay, so, sorry to ask. Anyways, that was the greatest Ben Gorn Erickson, but obviously he's there to see Bobby Robson, who's the greatest manager ever. But it just this shows you, Bobby, you know, he was, it's funny enough, and Craig, Craig you, you can attest to this. I see him now, and he's the nicest guy in the world, Bobby Ferguson. You know, very nice man. Um, basically, you know, when I see him, it's, it's great to see him, and, and all things are forgotten. It, um, right now, it's a big hot topic, you know, here in Canada, certainly about coaching and, you know, using fear and almost bullying tactics to get the most out of players. Um, obviously, players have changed um, over the last number of years. Um, I'm not sure all coaches have. Is there still a place for fear in coaching, or is that just uh, from a bygone era? Yeah, I think it's bygone now. I think that, that, you know, the modern day player wants more than just, you know, um, forced into doing things. They want to. They want a plan of what you're thinking, um, you know, for the whole team and, and for individuals. I get a lot, you know, I haven't coached now for a couple of years, but just towards the end of my career, you know, hopefully I'm going to coach again soon here, but, um, you know, towards the end it's more like, you know, it was more explaining what you really want and what, you know, how a player can, you know, affect the game. It's, it's not just get out there all the best, you know, you've got to really plan stuff out and they want instruction and they they expect it. I think through the academies, um, we've really started to produce very good players, and I think that they they are different to, to you know me and Craig play. But it was a fear factor, and he didn't really um, get a ton of coaching. You got more of the coaching, but it was just for how we played in training, rather than you know video and, and analytics and, and running. And now you got you know you got a tracker on your back and all this stuff that you know. I, I, and I think that they expect. They kind of expect that now, the modern player, and I think treating them with with fear is gone. And I think that's the right thing. I mean, I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't like it um, when I was playing, but you know, I, I I accepted it. But I think now that you're seeing a different uh, a different mentality in the players. Well, Frank, you know, you've had a really interesting coaching career. I thought, you know, with, with Canada, the national team did a really good job there um, under what was obviously tough conditions with the CSA certainly but what are you doing right now where do you stand right now in, in your, your career 
Yeah, so I um, when I left uh, left the earthquakes, I went to just a quick synopsis. So I was at earthquakes from from oh eight to thirteen, and then I went to um, Chicago for eighteen months, um, and then I wanted to move back to the West Coast. So we come back and bought a house in Los Gatos where we live now. Um, I just wanted to settle my family down, and I took a job in Phoenix actually for uh, Phoenix Rising in the USL just to get them going. We built a new stadium. Um, and then that was all short term uh, and then I took a job in, in Fresno in uh, about two and a half years ago a new franchise in the USL which is one league down from MLS and I was uh, general manager so I didn't do any coaching which uh, was, was an eye opener because all I've known is playing and coaching um, not, not, a, not a fan of working in an office you know obviously you've got to do it but I'm more of a people's person I need to be around the players I need to be sort of you know on the field and so um Next venture is on to Monterey um, in California. We're, we're doing a new USL team in 2021, and um, I'm going to coach and be director of soccer. So um, I'm looking forward to that. Get back on the field, get back to um, you know what I what I think I'm good at and what I love. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. So yeah, Monterey, California. So you guys, you guys should do one of your one of your shows from from down there one time. Ooh. We'd love to. Is that an invite? We're, we're there. We might do them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you hiring? Yeah. Can you get on Pebble Beach? Can we get on Pebble Beach, Frank? Uh, uh, we can do it. It's got Well. Oh, and not for free. Hey, uh, didn't you you played with Harry Redknapp at Pebble Beach with Mark Watson? Didn't Harry Redknapp? Wasn't Harry Redknapp playing? Kept playing somebody? Kept playing Mark's ball by accident? Oh, it's so funny! Yeah, he goes, he goes, shit. He, we've, te- it was the first hole. We tee off, off we go. You know, not bad drives, blah blah. He goes, bloody hell! I got hold of that one. I'm thinking, that's what he's for. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's like 50 yards past everyone else. I'm thinking, because what he's a good player, by the way. Um, yeah. So yeah, he goes, oh cool! I really got hold of that one, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, Kevin bombed him, and I was like. I can't he does chuck a few F-bombs in as well, old, uh, old Harry. But I, I can't imagine Harry friends, cheating or taking liberties at all. You know, he seems like a very honest fella. He just, he just was not cheating. He's just like, oh, got right hold of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's I'm having the best day of my life. <laughs> hey. what, a, what, a, what a great great guy, too. And he said he, he kept staring out in the ocean. He goes, this is one of the greatest days ever, Frank. Thank you. Really? Every time I saw Harry after that, I mean, Great, you work with him. He's a he's a fun guy. He was a fun guy to be around. He's got great stories. And, oh yeah, amazing. And, uh, yeah, so I used to pop back to QPR when he was there and watch him train him and stuff and hang him out a little bit. That was good. It was good. It was, it was good time. Hey Frank, this has been a great time as well. Thanks so much for this. We really appreciate it, and we hope to get you back on oh, the no show problem. at some point. Yeah, anytime. No problem at all. I enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks, Frank. Thanks, mate. That is yeah, Frank no Yallop. Frank Yallop, a uh, really, really great chat. I love the Beckham insight, by the way, because it's, it's a fascinating time for North American football when Beckham first made the move over here. The first truly like world-class name to come over here. Remember they the were door. trying to figure out a way to work it in because they had the cap and yeah. it was structured that way. They didn't have any way to fix it, so that's when they made the, the DP, the, the Beckham rule. The right? Beckham rule, yeah, the, the, the designated player. That's when and as a result, in comes the, the Ebros and the Jovinkos and the you know Schweinsteigers of the world, right? Yeah, And the league's just grown from there you know I think people at first thinking oh man is this going to be another NESL there were some detractors but mm-hmm. turned out it hasn't been and, and they've grown slowly but having those big names has helped well, I'm, I'm still it, a supporter of getting big names when you can oh, yeah. 
And it didn't hurt that Posh was his wife. Didn't hurt. You know, like, oh, yeah, they, that they just were, pulled in. They were beyond football. It was, like I said, there was entertainment. Transcendent. Transcendent. Yeah. There yeah. aren't too many transcendent sports stars, <laughs> right? No. If you look at them, I mean, Muhammad Ali, yeah. obviously, Pele. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan. Jordan, 100%. Gretzky, a little bit. Gretzky here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, LeBron. Uh, Not globally. You think LeBron? Uh, globally? He, he's, globally, uh, yeah. I think globally. Now, globally. you know what? Maybe yeah. with the, the rise of basketball in every other country. Oh, but Absolutely. the difference between Beckham and those names you mentioned, though, those other names were truly the best in their sport. Right. Beckham was never the best yeah. in the sport. And when, I was in the, when you think how great, great Gretzky was over in North America, over there, when I mentioned Gretzky, they wouldn't have a clue. Maybe, maybe have heard the name, but never seen anything. Never watched any. My, my sister was hockey. over here on vacation in '88 when he got traded mm-hmm. to uh, the Kings, and she came home in England and saying, "Oh, yeah, this, this guy Wayne Gretzky was traded. And he was crying at a press conference, and it was like wall-to-wall coverage." And I'm thinking, "Who? Gretzky? What? Never heard of him." So you know, hockey is still a, a speck in the sporting global right. landscape. Let's yeah. be honest here, despite yeah. what they might want to tell you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not. Hey, listen, it's big in this country and good, good in certain countries in Europe, right? But mm. overall, it's not. But uh, I think the whole Beckham thing's a good segue to um, quickly the Champions League draw mm. went today. Uh, some great matchups: Man City, Real Madrid's interesting. Atletico, Liverpool terrifies me because I love Atletico. It's a great, great team. But mm-hmm. European football as a whole, Craig, you know, you played in the UEFA Cup. Yeah, um, a couple of times with West Ham or Ipswich or both. Uh, West Ham. West Ham, yeah. right? So well, we finished fifth uh, <clears throat> in the league, so that got us through into the UEFA Cup. UEFA Cup, right? So still, the Champions League was number one. Then UEFA Cup was a, a big tournament. But mm-hmm. like, as a footballer, you know, you're competing for the Premier League. You know, how big a draw was it to qualify for the UEFA Cup and play in those games across Europe? Well, I mean. We, we, We'll take a step back. I mean, when Ipswich, for instance, uh, won the UEFA Cup um, back in the early 80s, the, uh, that UEFA Cup at that time was massive because mm-hmm. the Champions League or, you know, the top, the European Championship was the winners, the, only the winners. That. It was a, the champions. It was yeah. not that tournament. So Ipswich finishing second went into – so there was a quality second-place grouping of teams that went into the UEFA Cup. So it was, it was a massive tournament. Now, when you look at four English teams going to the Champions League, and then you have UEFA or Europa League spots underneath that and whatnot, um, it's it's a fantastic experience, and clubs want to be in Europe, except um, not a, at the expense of losing your Premier League status. Mm-hmm. There's just so you could say, well, we've gone from an era of winning trophies, and that was the number one uh, goal, to now um, you have to stay in the Premier League because. Devastating if you get relegated, the TV money drops significantly. Yeah, you get your parachute payments for a few years. But, but do players think about this, or is this more of an <clears> ownership <throat> management level? Or as a player, are you thinking, man, you know, it's great to be qualifying for this tournament, but we have to make sure we retain our, our position next year. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. People know. I mean, you you take it seriously to a point, 
Um, and then you get more serious as the competition goes on. You right. see the Euro- Europa League finals now. Everybody takes them really seriously. It's a, it's a now. There's also a, a, an avenue into Champions League by winning that. So that's a that's a great addition to Europa League to give some incentive for teams to try to go win it as opposed to just protecting your players, making sure you keep your status in the leagues, whatever that league that you're that you're in. So it has taken away a little bit of the shine of of that tournament for sure. Not the Champions League, but mm-hmm. the the Europa League, uh, absolutely. I just find it funny. How uh, you know managers will will be fighting tooth and nail all year long to finish in, in fifth place or whenever sixth place to qualify for that tournament. They they do everything. They talk about it. They must qualify. They then get there and then whine about the schedule for the next year. Yeah, like they don't want to be. It, there. And, and it's disruptive. Of, Thursday Sunday, right? Yeah, exactly. So why so, is that so difficult? Well, I because you've got, got that extra, that's a less, one less day to recover. So if you're playing away, say on a Thursday night, and then you got to get back. Friday and prepare for a game on a Sunday, um, it's disruptive. Where if you play games on Saturday, Saturday all the time, or midweek, it's Tuesday or Wednesday. That Thursday throws everything a little bit out of whack. And uh, I think it's uh, it certainly hurt teams um, uh, at times. Well, the stats speak for themselves, yeah. right? It's very yeah. difficult to play that. Apparently. I never quite understood it, but yeah, you make good points there. And I always thought it was more of a, a social thing. It, it ruins your social life on the weekend because the weekend is just done. Done. Right? You can't go out on the Saturday. Yeah. There wasn't right. much social life when you were playing. Oh, whatever. Come on. <laughs> no, I mean, it's honestly. It Have was, you ever heard was, such bullshit? I, I, I don't trust him. No. He's, he's untrustworthy. <laughs> Not much social life <laughs> yeah. when you're playing. Okay. okay. <laughs> you haven't right, lived the real time. You haven't lived the real life. <laughs> we found time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's interesting. And uh, like I said, great games coming up in the Champions League. Decent Europa League this year, too, actually. Some good teams mm-hmm. sipping down. In, into that tournament, yeah. so uh, well, you mentioned that slipping down into that tournament, right? Like, that's another thing. Uh, is, yeah, do you agree with a, that? Third place, no, teams? because I think it's about it, it's the UEFA and the rich teams looking after supporting the top teams. So if you finish third in the Champions League, you slip into the Europa League. Uh, I think Mourinho said it recently that he disagreed with that. Like, why should the third place you get team, rewarded for get, failing, yeah, and then you can go on to win that tournament? In mm-hmm. the reading right of the knockout stage, so uh, yeah, it's I a bit like Canada qualifying for the World Cup through not making the hex through the back right. door, it, through the back door, right? right? Mm-hmm. Which we're big supporters of. Well, then yeah. where does where does the FA Cup then fall? Like now you've, you're playing these champions, like Champions League. Obviously, we all watch it; it's mm. exciting. UEFA. That's when I kind of go, all right, as a sports guy, but not an avid footy follower. UEFA. I'll I'll look at the look at the scores yeah but then the fa and i've been over there i was over there in the 90s and it was one of those stories where you know one of these hometown they ended up playing man U and getting pumped like seven to one or seven zip it was yeah best even, day of they, their lives but they were playing at you know this little field with it probably about five thousand people around it and i forget mm-hmm. what what that team was what does the fa cup fall now well that's it i mean if you're looking at the top teams they have the domestic so Liverpool so save them because they're winning the league at the moment they have the league to deal with then they have the league cup yeah. and then they have the FA cup and the Champions League so these are all things that they're, they have to deal with and massive congestion in the schedule so the only way you can compete on all fronts well you can't compete on all fronts but the only way you can do it is to some extent, is that you have large squads to be able to, with quality, to be able to compete on all, right. all, all those fronts. But you have to prioritize. And first of all, the league's number one. Um, 
you see younger players and opportunities where, where clubs will play younger players and reserve players in the other competitions, the League Cup and and the, the FA Cup as well. Uh, so it's difficult balancing all those, but definitely having to prioritize. And depending on what club you are, um, Liverpool are going to prioritize the league because they haven't won it uh, for so long. Which makes that. makes Charms gonna yeah, but I'm happy we, we need to look at most, give him some wood. Most clubs are like, ah, oh, we won the league so many times. The Champions League is is the pinnacle of all pinnacles, you know, right. in in champion in, in football in Europe. It's the best of the best. So you have that as well. But you know, depending on what your priority or priorities are at that time, you have to. You just have to. I mean, I think the FA Cup has a ton of uh, pageantry left. Uh, theater, especially when lower divisions when. There's 700 odd clubs will start the FA Cup, and this is what I think from North America too is that if they did that in hockey and had a, a separate competition, right? So you have the NHL, the Stanley Cup that stands alone, but then you had this FA Cup or Hockey Cup yeah. that would include seven, eight hundred smaller hockey clubs right. that could could maybe if you win a whole bunch of rounds play an NHL team at home right. on a bad surface. Yeah. And, you Which know, would be so amazing, but just get, I'd amazing. love to watch that. I mean, obviously, it would be an embarrassment. Yeah, right? yeah but, but, but would it? Because, it would, well, from a football standpoint, you go to one of the small grounds and it's a cow pasture. I mean, it's the field's yeah. a disaster. is cut up. They don't even touch it uh, to try to make that a bit of an equalizer, and it is. But you say these small teams, these yeah. iconic teams, say you, you leave two inches of snow on that ice. <laughs> Good true. luck. It's yeah. true. But I wonder, I mean, is the gap between the amateur hockey player and the NHL hockey player greater or smaller than the gap between the amateur soccer player and the Premier League player? I would think, you know, I would think it has to be similar um, uh, that on a one-off game, uh, a team could beat Do an you? NHL team. Sure. I just think, I mean, I, listen, I don't skate. I don't play hockey. Mm-hmm. You, you've played before. Um, I know how difficult that is. And I know some guys who have played against, you know, pick-up games with, like, fourth-liners in the NHL, and these fourth-liners just dominate, right? They're, like, you know, they're scoring seven, eight goals, you know, mm-hmm. and these guys are, wow, you know, pretty good amateur players going, holy crap. It'd be interesting. I, I like seeing a good old beating now and again. So I'd like to see, you know, like, uh, Edmonton and McDavid against, uh, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. my, my mate's local Bushra, beer league right. team. <laughs> It'd be amazing. Well, uh, and here's uh, one of the, what we used to do and when we were at Sportsnet, I know the hockey guys would go out and play. So a Kipper and a Millard, Millard played right. Junior A, I think, mm. and Kipper would go out and they Skate rings would, around them? And my girlfriend at the time was a, a hockey player. And she just said Kipper would just because he was not only a scorer, he was a full scorer back in, in junior. Back in junior. Yeah, yeah. And he just supposed like the goalies were both pretty good goalies because they're both junior A guys. But besides, that's easy being goalie in hockey yeah, anyway. Wow, <laughs> and, and soccer. And, <laughs> oh, no, hold on, no, no, give me credit. Way, way harder in soccer. Yeah. Oh, but he, he used to basically. She just said his. Shot was so strong compared to everybody else's. Yeah, his he just you know handled the puck and he would skate around people, but he also took it easy. Right, you know, so it would be interesting not to see him take it easy. You know that. Yeah. So yeah. to your point, I it it was it's like these guys are so much better. That's that's the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's well, I mean, what the I mean, even, we even playing soccer, right? You know, I yeah. played in charity matches and tournaments, right, with some pros and yeah. that. And I mean, I was never a good footballer ever. Um, but just you just notice the quality, the golf, mm-hmm. and being an athlete compared to a regular dude like yeah. myself. 
right? The way they run around the field, they kind of glide. Even yeah. the bad ones glide around the field, right? Whereas people like me, heavy feet, dong, yeah. dong, dong, yeah. dong, and dong. Slow you know? motion for yeah, them. Yeah, it's slow it, motion, it really right? Is. You see yeah. video, you, you're playing hard, right? And then you watch video of that occasionally, and you go, oh my God, I'm like, I should be in a wheelchair. Yeah. I'm, I'm pathetic yeah, you'd, out be, you'd be faster in a wheelchair. I would be, yeah. Absolutely, right? I'm just not, just not at the least bit, you know, Brennan as Dunlop. athletic as... Oh. Brennan Dunlop, I tell you, he would be faster in a wheelchair. Punners is, is the world's uh, slowest man. He, he oh, really? Yeah. Guinness well, Book of World Records. Oh, we yeah, gotta, no, it's proven. We're going to have to have him on the show again and yeah. pick that up. He's out. like a 33-second 100-meter. <laughs> yep, yeah. No, Dunlop, you know, we'll talk about it when he's on next, right? He's happy to, you know. he's uh, he, he looks great out there. He's got the full, you know, he'll get oh, the socks, oh, he's wearing socks, his the shin pads. He's, he got is, the, he's wearing one of no his No hair suits. out of place. Alice Band, if he needs it, you know, he yeah. looks amazing. Like, this yeah. guy is good. But when he's running, it's like he's, he's in just, quicksand. Really? Yeah. yeah. Although he's got a bit of a, Treading decent, water. He's got a decent finishing touch, actually, amazingly enough. Well, I, I didn't want to say it. I've been looking at his ass. He's got a big ass. He's got, he's got a big ass. He's got a he's big ass. Low, he'd be a good hockey player, yeah. low center of gravity. He's pear-like. Yep, short, short. He's like the world's tallest midget. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, short legs. Even shorter than Craig's here. Uh, yeah. He's all torso as well. Um, just quickly, back to very quickly, um, talk about schedules and you know, FA Cups and stuff. This week, Liverpool, right? They play Aston Villa tomorrow in the League Cup final, uh, uh, quarter final. And then Wednesday, they play against Monterey in the Club World Cup in the Middle East. <laughs> it's just, it's ludicrous, right? Two different squads entirely, uh, give or take. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's just utterly ludicrous yeah. they and try to cram so much in don't they I mean there's only so many days in the year and and, and with the amount of football these guys play it's uh, when, but when will it end I don't think it will end because it's money 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 right they've got yeah. to play these tournaments they want these big clubs to play in the league well, Cup for 20 and, years and I've been covering it after I stopped playing and we're watching managers today last year year before all complaining about it it wasn't yeah. Wenger complaining about well, it remember, no, remember Fergie, uh, Fergie it. pulled United from the FA oh. Cup in 2000 I think it wasn't it after they won the treble, there, yeah, yeah, because they were they were playing that. The club woke up then, and, and he goes, "We can't do everything." Yeah, crazy. Uh, we're out of time, fellas. Um, the end of 2019 for Footy Prime, our inaugural season, so to speak. But we're back in the new year, so fear not. Follow us for all details at Footy underscore Prime on Twitter, on Instagram, and Facebook. It's Footy Prime the podcast. As it is on YouTube. Any questions or? comments email us at footyprimepodcast at gmail.com our thanks to eggplant picture and sound and deanblundell.com for helping us out with this little endeavor it's been a lot of fun so far fellas a success to the point where we are going to return for 2020 at least for a few episodes with perhaps some sponsorship yes we have some things are brewing and and, 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 so to speak so to speak brewing huh? <laughs> and, and we will be having we keep talking about it there will be a live uh, recording of this podcast oh. at a, a local drinking establishment in the new year so follow us on our socials for all that so Dan Wong great job as oh, always stepping in for Danny Dicchio happy holidays James Craig with the best <laughs> have a great Christmas in Vancouver yes thank you very much I haven't been back there since 1986 for Christmas wow. for Christmas really is that yeah. a good or a bad thing We'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) Families. Yes, indeed. Uh, Everyone here have a great, great Christmas. Dickio, if you're listening, no chance he's listening. Have a good Christmas as well. Uh, I'm James Sherman, and cheers for listening and watching. And we're out.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.